This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, I guess Aaron Rodgers is going through his darkness retreat right now. He's in, I don't know if it's day one, day three, day, who knows. Um, just hope he's wearing his diaper because then it could get a little dicey if it truly is going to be dark, you know, if that should ever present itself. But we all sit here, we wait, we watch, we listen, we look for any sort of a clue as to which way the wind is blowing for him and what he's going to want to do for next year. And if he does want to play football, and if the Packers are kind of ready to move on, and you've heard some things that maybe Green Bay is leaning towards that direction. They think that Jordan Love's time is now, and there's only one way to find out. you got to give him the keys to the castle and let him operate it. But they can't do that until Aaron Rodgers is out of the picture. So if he does want to play, you know, the Jets certainly are doing their due diligence and are inquiring about his availability. But we don't know yet until Aaron Rodgers comes out of the darkness. Now, there is a guy who is available already, and that's Derek Carr, who the Raiders released him because they knew that nobody was going to give up anything of significance in terms of draft capital because they knew that he was going to get cut. So why should you give up anything? So he's already made the rounds. He went to New Orleans. You know, there's a couple of other places, I'm sure, that have interest in him because a lot of teams need quarterbacks in the NFL. Right? Because there are so few legit studs playing the position in the league. You know, there's some people that think that maybe Derek Carr would be best served going to a place like Carolina. You know, Frank Reich has taken over there as the head coach. They need a long-term answer. Well, not a long-term answer, but, you know, they need an answer given the fact that I don't think that they're married to Sam Darnold necessarily. The only problem with Carolina, the more and more I hear Carolina is, do you really think that somebody like Frank Reich, who... One of the things that did him in in Indianapolis was the fact that they played that quarterback musical chairs game, it seemed like, on an annual basis. And after Andrew Luck kind of caught him by surprise once upon a time and saying, yeah, I'm not going to coach anymore, you know, think about how many different QBs they've had. Wasn't it? It was Jacoby Brissett. It was, you know, Phillip Rivers. It was Carson Wentz. It was Matt Ryan. It just kept getting steadily worse. So why would Frank Reich want to play that game again with a veteran? And I, I hate to use the term, but a retread to a certain degree. Maybe they're going to go draft a quarterback in Carolina and just develop a young guy starting from scratch. But nevertheless, you got to wonder, what do the Jets think about a guy like Derek Carr? And the one thing that they have done, though, in kind of reshaping this offensive coaching staff, and I said this a little while ago when I was on with the, the, the K-Show guys at the end, you think about the guys they hired – Now, everybody on that coaching staff has ties to any of these potential quarterbacks that could be available, right? Robert Sala was with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers. And now Todd Downing, who's the passing game coordinator, just comes from the Tennessee Titans, who was the offensive coordinator there with Tannehill. And he was also an assistant coach in Oakland under Jack Del Rio, where Derek Carr was the quarterback. So it's like any guy of those four that the Jets are going to bring in, there's some familiarity at least on staff. Now, I will say this, and things are still kind of taking shape, I think is maybe a good way to put them. I wouldn't rule out, as much as you don't want to hear it, I don't think you could rule out the possibility of even somebody like Tannehill being the guy. Now, I'm not sitting here and and telling you that he's number one, number two on their list, or giving you any sort of like a a pecking order. 
But I think that you have to at least prepare yourself that because the way the dominoes might fall here, and timing has a lot to do with a lot of these instances, then maybe that's where you're left with. Because I can't see them going down the road of a rookie again. You know, they went down that road the last two times, and where did it get them? Sam Darnold's in Carolina, and Zach Wilson is basically on the pay-no-mind list. And that's why they're in this position right now, trying to find a quarterback and trying to bring in a veteran. So Derek Carr, in all probability, might be the first one off the board here because you could sign him tomorrow. I'm not saying that the Jets are going to, but he could be had by somebody. He is a free agent. But since he was cut loose by the Raiders, you don't have to wait till March, like let's say Jimmy Garoppolo, because he's a conventional free agent, right? The contract expired. Carr was cut loose. So you could get him first. Garoppolo, you got to wait till free agency in a few more weeks. Aaron Rodgers, you got to wait till at least he comes out of the dark and then decides what he wants to do and so on and so forth. And then Tannehill, same type of deal with Tennessee. They're going to move on. I think, ten- I think Tennessee is in a position to where I don't know if they have that guy. I don't think Malik Willis is the long-term answer, and I certainly don't think Josh Dobbs is either. Tennessee might be in a situation where they go quarterback hunting again in the draft. I'm not a big Tannehill guy. Really haven't been. And now you're talking about somebody who's coming off of ankle surgery. And one of the things that made Tannehill appealing coming into the league all those years. Remember, he was a wide receiver for part of his college career at A&M before he moved over to quarterback. And, you know, the athleticism, the mobility, the dual threat at the quarterback and those type of things. That's now taken a hit. I mean, he's been in the league a decade. And he's not as spry as he once was. And you have the great running game all those years in Tennessee. Right, with Derrick Henry. And not to say that the Jets can't run the football. I mean, they got Brees Hall and, and, and the like. They should be able to run it. They hired the, the, the new offensive line coach, Keith Carter, is also somebody who comes from Tennessee. But I don't think I, – I think people make too much of the coaching hires and the way that you build a staff because I don't remember how many weeks ago that was. You really mean to tell me that the Jets hired Keith Carter as the offensive line coach when he was available because they said this will help us get – Ryan Tannehill. No, they hired Keith Carter because he was a good offensive line coach. And he's somebody that, you know, a lot of teams would probably wanted to bring in. And the Jets were able to get him, and they found themselves to be in a fortunate position, and they did. But it's not because, oh, hey, he knows Ryan Tannehill. And I think the reason they hired Todd Downing is not because, oh, he's worked with Ryan Tannehill, and they had some success together in Tennessee, or he knows Derek. That's not the reason behind this. You know, you just got to get a jump on the offseason. You can't sit there and wait till, you know, June to pick a guy that you might see fit or a guy who might be available when at the end of the game he might not be. It's a fast-moving game. That's why you see a lot of these, like, head coaching hires. I know that in the in the case of Indianapolis and with Arizona, you know, they waited for Philadelphia season to be over and getting their coordinators, but they also had a kind of an idea already as to which way they wanted to go. It wasn't, okay, we're going to wait till the very end and the Super Bowl's over, talk to them for the first time and say, okay, voila, he's our guy. No, they waited because they knew this is our guy. And there wasn't a lot of competition elsewhere, and they could afford to be patient. So here we are on the 16th day of February. We're less than a month away until free agency starts. The new league calendar year begins. And... Based upon what I've been able to kind of get to the bottom of, I don't think the Jets are any closer today in getting their new quarterback than they were when the season ended, to be quite honest with you. 
And I don't know if that frustrates you as a fan. I don't know if it makes you scratch your head. What it tells me is that they're doing their due diligence. Because they know they got to get this one right. Because if they swing and miss on this one, like it appears they swung and missed on the number two pick a couple of years ago, there might be even more turnover and more change. You got a good roster. You got good players. You have a foundation set already. This is, for lack of a better term, the missing piece to the puzzle. Don't screw up the puzzle. 800-919-3776. Grasa Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Art, how we doing? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking the call, bud. What's up, bud? Would you would you think, would you say that the uh, Nets getting Durant and Kyrie was disaster? Absolutely. Okay, not me. Why? Because if I'm because if I'm a net fan, mm-hmm. I there's not a net fan in the world that at that time that didn't agree and say we're going to win the championship with those two guys. And my point is, if the Jets make the move and get um, Barros, just say if they get Rogers, okay, and it doesn't work out. As soon as they sign Rogers, my feeling is we have a shot at the Super Bowl. It might not work. And, and here's the other thing, too, okay? You're talking about Tannehill. Tannehill should be the backup to Jimmy G. If it doesn't work out that they can't get Rodgers, that's my move. I would get Jimmy G, sign Tannehill as a backup, leave Wilson as soon as a couple of years, see what Wilson could become, and that's, that's the way I'm going. And then I'm never going to quit it. I, I just want to give this coaching staff, Douglas, two years. Don't change anything. Just go with the two years and see what they could do. I, I, I mean, well, what, you're not going to sign Tannehill to be a backup. I mean, he's not coming what to be a backup. You want as a Jets fan, if you just get a, one of these quarterbacks, if you get Rodgers, a Carr, or Jimmy G, right there, that team should be able to compete with anybody for Super Bowl. I would think. If they if everybody stays healthy, right? I, I mean, I don't think right. it's that outlandish. Now, look, the AFC, you got some stacked quarterbacks already. And, and Artie, thanks for the phone call. He, here, here's what I'll say. I, I disagree slightly, though, making the comparison with Rodgers going to the Jets versus what, let's say, Brooklyn had with KD and Kyrie. Remember, those guys were younger in their careers. 
you thought there the expectation was that they were going to be there for you know five years, maybe even more. They would deliver multiple championships. Remember, that's what they were touting when they rolled into town that summer. But if you get a guy like Rodgers, I mean, that's going to be at most, at most, a one- or two-year thing. And that's the best you can hope for is a coin flip. And the odds are probably still not in your favor. I mean, look, even if the Jets, let's say, perfect world, all right? Dream scenario. Jets get Aaron Rodgers. And this is also going into the fact that you don't know what the rest of the team is going to look like. You don't know what everybody else's roster is going to be like. Let's start with your own division. You don't know how Buffalo, New England, and Miami are going to be. But if the Jets sign Aaron Rodgers, you're not sitting there, and nobody should in their right mind say that they're the favorite to go to the Super Bowl or a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. No. They're a playoff team, but so are a lot of other teams. You know, Kansas City's still going to have Patrick Mahomes next year. Bengals are going to have Joe Burrow. Josh Allen's up in Buffalo. Justin Herbert's out in L.A. still with the Chargers and is moron head coach. They'll be better, but still got a lot of work to do. So you want to push all your chips to the middle of the table, fine. But, you know, I'm not telling you not to. It would be nice if you get maybe at least a couple of years out of him, but no, I wouldn't make the comparison with Rodgers going to the Jets the same thing as, like, the Nets with KD and Kyrie. I mean, that, now that the KD-Kyrie thing is over and we could, you know, read about it just like we read about events that happened in your in your history book when you were in school, that's now part of history, and history will show you that it was a disaster given what they accomplished. Adam and Dix Hill's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Adam? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Adam. So I just want to jump in with the Jets and um, say no to Aaron Rodgers. And please hear me out here. So when you go, if you want to go talk to, let's say, Tom Landry, famous coach of the Dallas Cowboys, one thing he was known for was not trading his high draft picks. And it was a different time, too, Adam. Was. Remember, that was almost I like 50 years ago. Picks, right? It was a different time, though. He, Different time, but the league is only so old, and you still don't trade. Remember, free agency wasn't barely even a thing compared to what it is now. Well, you're talking about a quarterback who has one or two years left, right? He Mm -hmm. plays for Green Bay. He's going into the hole as a Green Bay Packer. Right. What's his motivation for coming to New York? Loves football, winning. Hmm. Loves football. He's, He's too. He's too expensive. Well, he's and good. he's not worth it. We're building something here. We need something that's more of a five-year plan and not a two-year plan. Well, he, Adam, here's the thing, though, okay? And I thank you for the phone call. I got news for you, okay? And, and, and I hope that whatever my next job is, I hope you're my boss because if, if you think Woody Johnson or anybody in their right mind in the NFL is going to give this current regime another five years without making the playoffs or being a legitimate contender, I got news for you. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. Five-year plan. I mean, you know, they tried that already. They tried that two years ago with the five-year plan, and they drafted the young quarterback. How did that work out for them? They're working out. They're they're working to go find a new quarterback because of that. NFL's a win-now league, and and you can't compare, you know, Tom Landry and the way he built the roster compared to how teams are doing it in 2022. The draft was your number one way of getting players. Remember, the draft was a hell of a lot longer than seven rounds then too. And yeah, you know, good players are expensive. They cost money.
I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to sit there wearing a diaper for four days in the dark, eating, you know, rice out of a thermos to emerge from the hut and realize, you know what, I'm going to go play for the Jets and I'm going to do it for the league minimum. Of course not. You know, you want to go on these darkness retreats. Guys, I mean, these darkness retreats cost money, don't they? You think you just like, you know, you, you pull a darkness retreat and all the stuff that it comes with out of thin air? You, these things grow on trees? You want nice things, you got to pay for them. All kidding aside, how much do you think of that darkness retreat costs? Can we get any information on that? Like, how would you find this? Like, Google darkness retreats? Like, does it have like a website? Is there? Is it like a kind of like a tour package type of thing? Like, let's say I wanted to join one. How, where Where's the starting point? Do you got to know somebody? Do you know a guy who knows a guy? I I wouldn't even know where to begin. Dylan in New Brunswick is up next here on 98.7. Hey, Dylan, how are you? I'm all right. You know, I I, I, just, I don't think that game is Dylan, like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you back on hold, okay, because I, I didn't understand a word you were saying. You, got, you were going through a bad cell signal there. So we'll get you straightened up. Let's say hi to Ryan in Long Island. He's up next. Ryan, how are you? Yeah, how you doing, man? Always what? good to have you. What's up, Ryan? So uh, I'm actually coming from your point with, you know, covering all bases in terms of the coaches mm-hmm. uh, on the Jets. So I actually I don't really see how it's not a failure if you don't get Rodgers, and it's for the reason of Hackett and not from their relationship. But how is Derek Carr and or Jimmy G going to come from their situation with better offensive weapons? And while we don't love McDaniels, better offensive coaching than what Hackett had and had any sort of real success. Do we know that Derek Carr came from a better situation in Vegas than what he would have here? Well, if you pair it with what we saw from Hackett last year, I think so. In terms of Adams, yeah, Jacobs. But Ryan, remember, Hackett was the head coach last year. You know what I mean? That, that that was a situation he's not going to be in the same boat this time around. All he's doing is calling plays, you know, and you're talking about a situation now where you've got playmakers here. You know, you've got the rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. You've got a guy who, if he didn't get hurt, might have been the rookie of the year in Brees Hall, among others. you got a couple of other wide receivers that are halfway decent. You know, you shore up that offensive line. They're 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 going to find ways to move the football this year. I mean, the offense was working pretty good, even with four quarterbacks for crying out loud, until it stalled out the last few weeks of the season. Oh, most definitely, that. But but you know, I, I'm I'm always in the boat of I'm not here for one playoff win. I do want the plan. Uh, and and in terms of the Hackett play call, and I believe last year was the first time we saw him calling plays. Uh, and it couldn't really have gotten much worse. No, Ryan, remember he called plays. And thanks for the phone call when he was in Jacksonville. In 2017, he called. He was the offensive coordinator. Called the plays. They had a top 10 offense that year, scoring and yardage, and they went to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles as his starting quarterback. And his number one wideout that year was a guy by the name of Marquise Lee, who's not even in the league anymore. All right, so he has a track record, and his track record is more than just Aaron Rodgers. Now, look, did last year go exceedingly bad? A hundred percent. But he's not the head coach. And Nathaniel Hackett is not the first and is not the last guy who is going to maybe turn out to be a better coordinator than he was a head coach. You know, a few weeks ago, remember, we had Jeff Lagerman on. I don't know if you heard the, the spot. You can go back and listen to it on the app or, or whatever. 
But Jeff Lagerman, who's the color analyst for the Jaguars on the radio, played for the Jets, first-round pick for the Jets in his playing days. Good dude. And he said point blank, you know what? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have hired Nathaniel Hackett to be my head coach like the Broncos did. And this is a guy who, you know, saw him each and every day, knew the ins and outs, knew him well. He said he wouldn't have hired him to be a head coach, but he would hire him to be the coordinator. And if you're the Jets, that's all you're asking him to do, not to lead the team, just lead the offense, right? John and Phillipsburg up next. Johnny, how are you? Okay, Dan, how are you? Good, John. What's going on? So I, I have a non-Jets quarterback question. Uh-oh. And just to give you my perspective, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's great. But I just don't see this happening where he's winning us a Super Bowl in one to two years. And, you know, this team is starting to kind of come together. I mean, yes, Zach Wilson has fallen apart. But, you know, the earlier caller said something about a five-year plan. And, and you're bringing up what we tried to do with Sam Darnold, but we had we didn't build anything around him. You know, we we have some things that are going in this right. in, in the it's right direction. It's John. It's night and day from when Sam Darnold came here yeah. versus what's there now. And apart from the quarterback position, it's night and day. And the the main perspective that I have on this is that whatever quarterback we're going to end up plugging in we're going to be in a really good spot to make the playoffs. And that's basically what we're wanting for this, for this, uh, this, this regime with Salah and Douglas. So I'm just getting sick and tired of all the, the, the quarterback talk. I mean, I get it. Like it's the main idea, but um, I figured you're the guy to ask a non-quarterback question. So um, I'm just wondering about Carl Lawson, mm-hmm. you know, we, I'm seeing that defenses that you you want to have one good pass rusher, but two is better, and we certainly have uh, Quinn Williams, but we don't have really have an edge guy. And you know, I'm seeing that Bryce Huff and 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 uh, Carl Lawson, you know, they they were top ten last year in in their get off speed. Right. That they, they they can really get off the snap real quick. But but Carl Lawson, right, he's coming off of this Achilles injury. So I'm wondering, like, what do you know? And also, what's your perspective on the gamble of trying to keep Lawson when you look at his contract right now? Because well, he's he's a bit overpaid. Right, well, and, and that's the thing. And, John, thank you for the phone call. Here's the thing about Lawson, okay? First of all, it does come back to the quarterback. Everything goes back to the quarterback position. And the reason it does, Aaron Rodgers, first of all, out of any of these guys, potentially, is going to cost you the most money. Hands down. You're going to have to get some salary cap space to be able to bring in a marquee name. So you're going to have to make some tough decisions with the rest of your roster, make some cuts, so on and so forth. Lawson is one of those names that is probably going to be on a list because did Carl Lawson have a great season last year? No. Did he have a good season? Yeah, I'd say good season. But he also counts $15.7 million against the cap next year. Now, based on the production that you saw from him in 2022, is Carl Lawson worth $15 million going into next season? He's going to give you, what, seven sacks? Is that what he had last year? Seven sacks, and 
you know, my thing about not just him, but even the rest of the defense. That one game in particular that Quinn and Williams missed, which was, I think, the Lions game, if I'm not mistaken. Jared Goff could have played that game in a tuxedo. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, they did not generate any heat on him whatsoever. So if you're paying guys that type of money, and when, let's say, your superstar, Quinnen Williams, is not in the lineup, you would think that that guy or two would be able to rise up and maybe pick up the slack. And that didn't happen that day. Quinnen Williams is another name which I think factors into this. Don't you want to keep him around long term? You think Quinnen Williams is not going to want a hefty raise from what he was making last year after the season he just had? You're darn right. So that's going to cost you money. So apart from the quarterback, apart from keeping a guy like Quinnen Williams around, apart from creating other cap space to be able to tinker with your roster and bring in some guys who are you know currently on other teams, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Do they ask a guy like Lawson to take a little bit of a pay cut? I don't know. But here's why I'm starting to think, or not why I'm starting to think, but why I kind of believe that Lawson will be around. He plays a premium position. And $15 million a year, that's kind of the going rate for a pass rusher, an edge rusher right now in the NFL that's good. And if you want to, you know, kind of look optimistically, had the Achilles injury in the summer of 2021. Rehab the whole offseason to get ready for 2022. To where, like, he wasn't even on the field during OTAs and the mini camps extensively, like doing all the work with the team. You know, they were bringing him along slowly. So he didn't have the normal offseason to get ready for last year and still went out there and, and played every game, right, and had the seven sacks. So now he's not coming off the injury. He's a year removed from the Achilles. Do you think that Carl Lawson having a normal offseason to prepare, to, to get stronger, to, re, to, you know, do what he normally would do to get ready for a season, you think that's going to make him better on the field in 2023? If you're the Jets, yeah, then you probably don't you don't you don't probably mind paying the fifteen million dollars. But you also have a couple of guys you drafted last year, and Jermaine Johnson was a first round pick who showed flashes, and Michael Clemens, who I thought was a real nice surprise, also at defensive end. Now maybe they're not, you know, Clemens is more of I think a run stuff guy than he is an edge uh, rusher, you know, quote unquote pass rusher. Like to me, Michael Clemens is like a great three four defensive end, but they don't play three four. Um, I would keep Lawson around. Because you can never have enough good pass rushers. Case in point. Go ask the Giants. It helped them win Super Bowl 42. 800-919-3776. More of your calls when we come back. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Did you guys see Jacob DeGrom is already banged up? For the Texas Rangers. Day one. Day one official reporting day for pitchers and catchers, and already it's something. That's all it took. Not a week, not a month. One day. Left side tightness is what they're calling it. And you know what? 
you're a Met fan, you're probably saying, now that's Texas's problem. We don't got to worry about it. But, you know, you hear all the same rhetoric of not concerned, side tightness, you know, being cautious. Boy, how many times have you heard that story if you're a Met fan when it comes to Jacob DeGrom, right? Oh, it's not that serious. It's not that bad. He'll be back out there soon. If it was a regular season game, yeah, he'd be out. Mm, sure. It was just last spring we heard all that stuff. Oh, no, he's all right. He's, he's, he's not going to throw for a couple of days. You didn't see him until July or August or whenever the hell it was. So here's DeGrom. This was him today talking about his uh, latest setback. You know, I mean, obviously what I've been through the past couple of years, I've dealt with some things, and this is very minor. Um, left side was a little tight. Um, mentioned that to them. Um, actually, I was still throwing at home. And then when I got here, um, they just said, hey, let's take a couple of days, knock this all the way out, and then resume. Um, you know, I was able to build a good bulk of throwing at home. I think I got off the mound close to six times before I came here, which normally leading into a spring, I would only have been off the mound two or three times. So I built up a good bulk and, you know, talking to CY about that and the training staff was, hey, let's make sure this left side goes away. And, and then, uh, you know, where I was at with my arm, we were comfortable taking a few days. I mean, not for nothing in 2021, you know, when he was having that historic first half of the season, you know, pitching to the sub one ERA and he ultimately got shut down and they said, oh, it's not that, you know, it's not anything serious. He'll be fine. And then he never pitched again. Never saw him again, right? And it's just, in a way, you feel bad for the guy. And you don't want to wish injury or harm on any player and this and that. But it, the other, you know, if you're a Met fan, when you see something like this, though, does, does part of you feel almost vindicated? That even though you'd like to have him on your team, but you couldn't ever guarantee that he was going to be healthy. And that's why when he left, you said, oh, look, I get it. It's tough to lose somebody like that at his peak, but if he's not going to be at his peak... At one point, is it even having him on the team? Because, look, the numbers don't lie. Reality is reality. Last two years, the guy made 26 starts. 150 innings in two years. That's not going to cut it. And right now, look, if I if you had to bet for your life, Jacob DeGrom, is he going to pitch over under 150 innings this year for the Texas Rangers? I, I mean, based on what we know now, day one, with left side tightness? I mean, isn't that a resounding under to me? And to you? Look, he's got his two Cy Young Awards. He got his money. So you don't got to worry about that. But my guy, there's always something. Always. It's unbelievable. Let's say hi to, if I can get the mouse to work, Alex in New Jersey, up next here on 98.7. Alex, how are you? How you doing, Dan? What's up, Al? I'm doing great, man. Love the energy. Love the show. Uh, I agree with everything you've been saying about the Jets. I think we are ready to rock. We need that quarterback. And I'm going to give you my top five, and you tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. First, uh, definitely we will go after Rodgers. Uh, how about Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? They seem like they don't want to pay him. Uh, number three will be Justin Fields. I mean, the guy we should have drafted. That was throwing the ball to our offensive rookie of the year. Uh, number four, I would say Derek Carr. But really, what did he do with all the weapons he had around him in Oakland? And then five would be either Jimmy or Ryan Tannehill. But they're both injury prone. So what do you think? That's a long list. It's a long list that you got right there. I mean, you gave me six names. Um, 
Roger, look, obviously Rogers in the perfect world is the guy, but there's so many variables that get thrown into that. Lamar, I, I, until I see it, right, until I actually see it, I'm not going to believe that he's available. But I'm not as high on Lamar as maybe some other people are because here's the thing with Lamar. I mean, we, we just got done talking about Jacob DeGrom. Lamar's never on the damn field. You know, you're talking about a guy the last two years who missed, what, 10 games, including a playoff game last year? So I, I, I don't know where that situation is, but that to me is way too murky to invest in saying, oh, yeah, absolutely, he's a sure thing, when he couldn't answer the call for the Ravens the last couple of seasons. Justin Fields, if the Jets wanted Justin Fields and they thought high enough of Justin Fields, you know what they would have done two years ago? They would have just drafted him themselves instead of taking Zach Wilson over him. So I, I don't know how high they are on him. And then, of course, the other guys that you mentioned there with Carr and, you know, the the same guys that we've been discussing with Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill. I, you know, the thing about Carr, and look, I'm not the biggest Derek Carr guy either. And I actually think that the best fit for him would be to go to New Orleans. Right? He already went down there. He checked it out for a couple of days. I think that would be the best landing spot for him because – He's not a good cold-weather quarterback, which I know that the weather's kind of crazy around here, but Carr is somebody that would excel in the dome down there in New Orleans. You're playing more than half of your games indoors down there because, remember, you're going to Atlanta. That's a division trip every year, which is indoors. You know, the weather, I think, would be a lot. You're going to Tampa Bay, which is going to be a warm game. Way more conducive, I think, for his skill sets. The problem with Carr is, you know, you talk about all these great weapons that the Raiders had last year and so on and so forth. I mean, okay, you know, you had Devontae Adams, you had Josh Jacobs, you know, Waller was in and out of the lineup. But how do you know that Josh McDaniels is a good coach? Like, like what is Josh McDaniels? Seriously, seriously let, 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 let's talk about this for a second. What has Josh McDaniels done as a coach apart from when the guy he was calling the plays for was Tom Brady and the head coach – that was had the right of first refusal for everything that he was doing, that he could listen in on the headsets, was Bill Belichick. Arguably, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. So, to me, McDaniels leaves a lot to be desired, and we still don't know. And I'm really curious to find out what the hell went on in Vegas, because Carr isn't talking, and maybe once he finds his new home, he'll finally come clean as to how that marriage kind of dissolved out there. But I would like to get to the bottom just to why things fizzled the way they did. And after just one year, less than a year, Josh McDaniels didn't want to work with Derek Carr any longer. A guy who had been like the face of the franchise. You know, I keep coming back to this as well. When we discuss all the potential quarterbacks and who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. If they're available, which means every single one of these names... There's a reason for it. Because the guys who aren't available, the teams that they're currently on right now are trying to hold on to them for dear life because they know what they have in them. And they know how good and how special they are. And that's why they're not on the trade block. They're not free agents, right? Those guys, those are keepers. And whether it's age, whether it's, you know, any other sort of, check mark against any of these quarterbacks you want to throw into the conversation that's why we're even talking about them maybe moving on to the Jets next year we'll see Anthony Beckett 9 o'clock we go till 10 Stan Grasso show 98.7 ESPN
This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. You would have to think that on the surface, you know, in the aftermath of Philadelphia, getting to the Super Bowl, coming up short, whatever. But the fact that both of their coordinators, Shane Steichen, who went to Indianapolis, and now Jonathan Gannon goes to Arizona, you know, you lose both of your coordinators in one offseason, especially even after one where you go all the way to the Super Bowl, you figure that that's going to be tough to replace, at least on the surface. So that's a little bit of a benefit to the New York football giants, is it not? That a team that they're looking up against in their division is now maybe going to be a little bit shorthanded. Look, you don't know if you're going to get a guy who's going to be as good. Now, I kind of question the hire out there in Arizona. Look, we didn't know what Nick Sirianni was when when Philadelphia hired him. And, I mean, I think that he is the best case and the best example that you can have of, you know, on the surface maybe a hire which is not all that inspiring. You talk about having, you know, losing the press conference. I mean, Nick Sirianni's introductory press conference, I mean, he stood up there like a bumbling fool. No other way around it. But he had the last laugh, obviously, because in a couple of years he's gotten his team all the way to the Super Bowl. And now that he'll be going into year three next year, but he's going to have to do it with restaffing his staff and getting new coordinators. I mean, is that defense going to take a little bit of a hit without Jonathan Gannon? Don't know. You know, Vance Joseph is now available, among others. You know, there's some quality names that are there to be had, and Vance Joseph looks like he's getting let go by the Cardinals as the defensive coordinator because, hey, Gannon's a defensive coach. He's going in there. He wants to, you know, bring in his own guy. Or maybe he's going to call the defensive signals. Remains to be seen out there. I mean, Rex did that when, uh, you know, he was here coaching the Jets. He was the head coach, but he also ran the defense. And, and maybe too, you know, to a fault too much because maybe didn't pay as much attention to the other side of the ball, which ultimately sprung some leaks, as we know, as the years kind of wore on there. But we'll see what happens, right? I mean, is it's, it's difficult to stay at the top in the NFL. Goes without saying. It's difficult to stay there. And especially when you get to the precipice like you do if you're the Eagles and get to that game and then you fall short, that's an even bitter pill to swallow. Because you didn't even, like, get anything to show for it. You got there. You fell short. Now you think about all the work that you got to put in just to get back to that point. And, oh, by the way, just getting back to that point isn't even good enough because you didn't accomplish your goal. That's why losing that Super Bowl, you know, losing the Super Bowl, losing in the conference championship game, it's as bad as it gets. It really and truly is. I actually think, I don't know. Part of me thinks that like losing in the conference championship game is even worse than losing in the Super Bowl. Because if you lose the Super Bowl, and depending on how the game went, like if you get blown out in the Super Bowl, you're like, well, you know, we just weren't as good as that team and not even close. We got exposed a little bit. But it's not like there's another game next week. Like, that's it. You reached the end of the road. You didn't get it done. Oh, well. But if you lose the conference championship game, you were that close. You were one step away. And not only do you fall short, then you got to watch like two other teams go out there on a day where the whole world is watching, and it could have been you. But now you got to work even harder just to get back to that point again. And oh, by the way, take it a step further. It is hard. It is hard to stay at the top. Really and true. You think, I mean, You don't just get to resume. It's like a video game, right? You don't just get to start up the video game again from the point where you left off. Oh, I got to, you know, level seven. 
and I saved it. So when I go back, I could start up again at level seven. No, you don't get to start at level seven. You got to start at OTAs, you know, free agency, the draft, OTAs, mini camp, training camp, regular season, playoffs, and think about how many things have to go in your way. All the luck in the world. You got to stay healthy. You can't afford the crippling injury. You got to hope that maybe, you know, a couple of the other teams in your division that have given you problems over the years, you hope that maybe they have a little bit of a downturn and they're not firing on cylinders as much. There's just so many things. You know, the bounce of the ball has to go your way and all those type of things. It's it's hard, man. Let's try Dylan again in New Brunswick. See if he's got that phone straightened out. Dylan, you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. There we go. A lot better. What's up, Dylan? No, you know, I, I don't know if KD, like, knows what grind means because he, he didn't do it here. He didn't do it in Golden State. No. I mean, he did it in uh, OKC when they made the run and they lost the Heat. But you can't close out the Warriors and then you join them. You didn't grind there. You come and team up with Kyrie and then eventually Harden, and you can't do it here. It's only one playoff series. Like, I'm a Kings fan. De'Aaron Fox has been grinding for five years to try to make the playoffs. And, like, they lost to Phoenix last night, but. How'd you become a Kings fan? See Webb and White Chocolate. Really? Yeah. I love Gerald Wallace, too. Dude, Just a hustle uh, player diving in the stand. on the net. 2002, man, as an old New Jersey Nets guy, 2002. I mean, I was yeah. rooting so hard for Sacramento, and if without the crooked officials, they would have beat the Lakers, and maybe the Nets would have had a shot in that finals. Yeah, I mean, that was upsetting. I mean, that I was I was 10 years old when that happened, 11 years old. They were a good and, team. They were a real good – you know, Bobby Jackson coming off the bench. You had oh, Vladi. I mean, they, they were – they were he's a, a tough I think team. He's still an assistant. Yeah, on the uh, King staff. He th- they, that was a fun team. You know, Arco was buzzing, and uh, you know, Dylan. Thanks a lot for the phone call. They were. Um, that was a fun group, and boy, <laughs> I, I still don't know how they didn't win that series, that conference final against the Lakers. And the Nets would have had a shot against those guys. They would have because Shaq was the immovable object, and that's who they. I mean, you know, Kobe was Kobe, but the, the Nets just had no answer. Nobody had any answers for Shaq. None, and that's why that series was a sweep. But boy, if they played Sacramento, they matched up against those guys a hell of a lot better. That's for sure. We come back, talk to our pal Anthony Beck, part of our Jet coverage here on ninety-eight seven ESPN. But more importantly for him, he's now the head coach of the XFL BattleHawks of St. Louis. They're going to open their season Sunday on ABC. We'll talk to him coming up next. Dan Gross' show, another 60, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.